Take my yoke upon you, and you will find rest for your souls. Two things, a yoke, and then rest. So first, a yoke. Now, the yoke primarily symbolizes two things. The first thing is that the yoke ties you to something or somebody else. Second thing that the yoke symbolizes is work. I mean, the picture here is really the two oxen yoked together, this big burly wooden yoke. They are tied together. They must step in sync. They can't go wherever the one wants to go. They have to walk together so that they can work in the harvest. Now, if that sounds like a lot of work, well, that's because it is. Now, there are two common mistakes that we make when it comes to yokes. The first, and the one that is more prevalent among us in this day, is the view that all yokes are inherently bad. Anything that ties me to anything else is bad. But we must say at the outset, this is ridiculous. Yokes are not inherently bad. Not even dad yokes. Yeah, sorry, it was cheap. If yokes were inherently bad, then why does Jesus say that he wants to put a yoke on us? Nevertheless, this is a popular view. All yokes are bad. All discipline is bad. Deep down, the sinful Adam just wants to do drugs all day and play video games in his basement. Now, we must say, it's true, Jesus does come to set the prisoners free. He comes to broke, break the yoke of slavery. I mean, glory, glory, hallelujah. Can I get an amen? Well, the Baptists do that part better. But the Christian life still has rules. That's why Paul can use a phrase like the law of faith. A life with no yokes, a life that doesn't tie you to anything, a life of absolute freedom. It's not really freedom. Now, it sounds great to the pubescent boy. He hears this. Oh, great, a life with no yokes. That means I can do whatever the hell I want. But this is exactly the attitude that we must guard against because whatever the hell I want leads exactly to hell. It drives out faith. Now, to illustrate the point, let's just imagine for a second if all laws were suspended. The law of gravity just disappeared. Now, it might be fun for a day or two, maybe. But after that second day, all I would want was to sit down and have a meal with my family. It's only possible because of the law of gravity. Now, granted, the sermon might be a little more convincing if the preacher floated out of the pulpit, but if the church was floating and everybody in the pews was floating too, it would quickly lose its novelty. Jesus did not come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. The law of gravity remains. The Ten Commandments remain. Now what Jesus comes to do is he breaks that yoke of slavery and he puts his yoke on you. And that is true freedom. Because now, now you have the freedom to love God and to love others. That's what the Ten Commandments is all about. That is true freedom. But you are not free to not love God. You are not free to not love others. You are not free to sin. Because the one who sins is a slave to sin. Here's the thing, you are always going to be yoked to something or someone. 
The question is, who are you going to be yoked to? Now the second common mistake we make is what we would call legalism. It's hearing Jesus say, take my yoke upon you, and then just ignoring everything else that our Lord says. It's hearing about this yoke and then making the yoke of our Lord heavy and burdensome. Now the best Old Testament illustration of this is King Rehoboam. Rehoboam, he's the son of Solomon. And when dad dies, Rehoboam becomes king. And the people of Israel come to Rehoboam and they say, hey, would you make our yoke a little easier, please? As in make our workload a little less light. We want to be loyal to you. Just don't break our necks. Now Rehoboam consults with the old guys and they say, that's a good idea. You should do that. But then he goes to his younger, not so brilliant friends and they convince him to not follow through. In fact, Rehoboam comes out and he says one of the best idioms in the entire Bible. He says, my pinky is thicker than my father's thighs. Now, maybe Solomon had chicken legs. It's not really the point. He's saying, you thought my dad put it bad on you. You just wait till you see my yoke. It's heavy. It's burdensome. It's going to break your neck. And Rehoboam foolishly thought that by doing this, he would win the respect of the Israelites, but the exact opposite happened. He ended up splitting the kingdom into two. This is not the kind of yoke that King Jesus brings. We become legalists when we think that Jesus just lets people off too easily. You mean Jesus wants to forgive that, that sinner? And this is the exact reason why Paul writes the whole book of Galatians. The entire book is dedicated to this. A certain group of Jews named Judaizers were insisting that Gentile converts to Christianity had to obey the Mosaic law, meaning they had to become circumcised if they were going to become Christians. And Paul just can't stand it. In fact, it's so egregious for Paul that he actually writes, when they are doing this, when they are forcing the Mosaic law on these Gentiles, I wish that the blade would slip and fall on them and emasculate themselves. That's how dire the situation is. Peter says in Acts 15, if you enforce these Gentile Christians to become circumcised, to obey the ceremonial Mosaic law, you are putting a yoke that is too heavy and burdensome on them. Not even us Jews can keep that. So those are the two mistakes we make when it comes to Jesus' yoke. It's either anarchy or legalism. Now, we tend towards lawlessness in our day, especially some Lutherans. They don't want any yokes, but both ditches need to be avoided. And we do tend to overcorrect. The child who grows up in a severe, severe strict household often ends up growing up to be the craziest person that you know. While the person who grows up with no laws, with no rules, no structure, sometimes ends up growing up and enforces Sharia law. So how do we avoid both ditches? Well, I actually think Lutheranism is the answer. If we Lutherans have anything right, it's this. We need the law in our left hands, the gospel in the right, and Christ in our mouths, and not apologize for any of it. And boldly proclaim, Jesus Christ comes to break the yoke of slavery and to tie you to himself. Now, does this yoke come with obligations? Yeah, it does, but not obligations in the nasty sense that your mother used that word. They are good obligations. 
The first obligation that Jesus' yoke brings is that you would work with him. This is the picture. He says, be yoked to me so that we can work in the harvest together. And unlike so many things that we waste our time on, this kind of work is always good. It always yields results. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to mass convert every single crowd we speak to, but it does mean that the word of the Lord never returns empty. God's word is going to do what it is going to do. It is powerful and mighty. And if people don't listen, well, that is on them. The second obligation, good obligation, that Jesus' yoke brings is that we would learn from him. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. There's a million good reasons to come to church, but learning has got to be one of the top ones. There is always something new to learn. One of the reasons why I say such outlandish things from the pulpit, I don't think they're that crazy, but it's so that nobody could ever say, oh, I don't need to go to church, I already know what he's going to say. Guys, the Word of God is the most exciting thing in the entire universe. From the Word of God, everything has been made. The stars, the DNA in your body, it is the precondition to truth. How do you know that you know anything? How do you know that we exist? It's because of the great I am. That's how we know that things exist. If you want to know anything, you better start with the source. So in addition with weekly church attendance, here's about the 365th time I'll say this from the pulpit, you need to read the Bible. The primary reason why you learned how to read in school was precisely so that you could read the Word of God. All other literature, all other writing merely serves this purpose. God gave you brains. He wants us to use them. And that's how we kick the devil in the mouth. You get up in the morning and you say, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you read the Word of God, and then you do a devotion. Now, a quick bit of devotional advice. Memorize hymns. The Lutheran Church is the church that sings. Don't make the yoke too burdensome. Just start with a stanza a week. And sing that stanza every day for one week. Pretty soon you'll have it down, and you'll build up an entire library in your head. He who sings prays twice. Now, the second thing... Now, of the, the sermon, the second point is that Jesus' yoke brings rest. It might seem like a paradox, it might seem oxymoronic, that the yoke, the thing that symbolizes work, brings rest, but that's exactly how it is, because Jesus' yoke ties you to himself, and Jesus is true God. And being tied to God is what Sabbath, is what rest, is all about. So what are you heavy laden with? What are you burdened with? What are you wearied about? Jesus wants to take care of all of it. He is the Lord and Savior of all. And one thing that that means is that he is the Lord and Savior of all aspects of your life. Not just the small bits, not just the big bits, but all of it. So what troubles you? Is it doubt? Do you doubt that God has actually chosen you? This is what the first three verses of our Gospel reading is all about. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Many have struggled with this question throughout all of church history. This is what Luther tortured himself with. How do I know that the Son has revealed the Father to me? How do I know that I am saved? Well, let's make it just real simple right now. If you are hearing this right now, 
The Son is calling to you, and he is showing you the Father from this pulpit. So doubt no longer. If you are baptized, you are, in fact, chosen. What are you heavy laden with? Temptation? Jesus says, I send you my spirit. I send you the sword of the spirit, the word of God to do battle with the devil. But even more than that, Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Are you burdened with sin? Does it keep you up at night? Well, Jesus says, come to me. My child, I died for that sin. My blood covers that sin and every other sin. Do you think that that one particular sin is so big that my blood can't cover it? Well, that's awfully arrogant of you. <laughs> Then he says, I forgive you. What are you weary with? Is it your work? Jesus says, come to me. Take my yoke upon you. What that means is now you work with Jesus. It means that everything you do is done in the presence of God and is in fact blessed. It is blessed by God. And that is a good place to be in. And now it means that the first question and last question that you ought always to ask is how can I please God? And when you start and end with that, what ends up happening is you end up pleasing the men who are worth pleasing, and you end up alienating the men who are worth alienating. That's a good spot to be in. But are you worried that your boss, your co-workers, and everybody else doesn't notice the things that you do? Well, God says, I notice. He notices every little thing. Jesus promises us that not even a cold cup of water given to a disciple will go unnoticed. What are you heavy laden with? Is it family strife? Not getting along with friends? Jesus says, come to me. I am gentle and lowly in heart. You always have a friend. You always have a listening ear in Jesus. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee, take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. Are you broken down? Is your body falling apart? Are you injured? Are you getting old? Are you dying? Jesus says, come to me, and you will find rest for your souls. My friends, Jesus does all the heavy lifting. He created the world. He still makes it go around. And he redeemed the world by being slaughtered like an ox. And now, he ties himself to you. Blessed be the tie that binds. What a friend we have in Jesus. Amen.